Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Is anybody happy to be here tonight? I just think that there's something special about church. I, I love the fact that when you're, when, you're, when you're having a great day, it's fun to go to church. When you're having a, when you're having a mediocre day and, and things haven't been going quite right, guess what? You, you get to go to church. And even when those moments when you feel desperately in need of a touch from Almighty God, you can come to church. You know what? For most of you, I, my name is Scott Boney. I am a long-standing family member. If you don't know me, I am sorry that you have missed out on that opportunity. And, uh, but we, I, have, I was here many, many years ago and a part of the family. And so I'm just, can I take my family leisure? Is that okay? You know, you don't have to show up every day to still have refrigerator rights. Anybody got any family members that assume their refrigerator rights, even though you don't see them very often? Yeah. I'm just going to assume my refrigerator rights tonight. I, I was with Pastor Eric today, and, and uh, I just want to say, you know what? In moments of difficulty, God's grace is still sufficient. Yeah. And I know that your, your church family is, has been dealt a blow because when the head hurts, everything else follows suit. But I believe that tonight, the Lord gave me a word uh, two weeks ago for tonight, unbeknownst to me what was happening or what would happen, and I believe that God is going to do something special tonight. Amen? Amen? If you have a Bible, turn over to Luke chapter 1. This passage of Scripture is probably one of the least talked about passages of Scripture outside of December that you will find. Luke chapter 1, it's such an obscure little story that I feel like carries such eternal, eternal significance, and I just want to dive into the Scriptures tonight, Luke chapter 1. If you're taking notes, you can title this message, What's Next? What's Next? Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read to you just a few short, short verses, starting in verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. Somebody say rejoice. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Say blessed. But when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how can this be that I, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Somebody say the Holy Spirit. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And now is in the sixth month of, of her who was called barren. Father, I just ask that your Word of God do something spectacular tonight. Lord, I pray that as we dive into the Scriptures, I pray that you reveal something special into the very 
depths of our heart about your nature and who you are. Lord God, I'm asking that you just begin to open up our hearts that we may begin to receive and see you in a supernatural way. May the eyes of our understanding be enlightened, as Ephesians says, that we may know the hope of your calling over our life. And I'm asking you, by the grace of Almighty God, that you begin to touch your people tonight as we heed the Scriptures. And Father, I just give you the glory and the honor for it. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, so here's this moment, this young girl, 13 or 14 years old, is, is minding her business. She's been betrothed to a man. She's supposed to be married. And all of a sudden, she's laying there one night, maybe, maybe just made her some nachos late at night, extra queso like I like them with a side of jalapenos, not on, on the top but on the side because I like to, uh, you know, control my jalapeno intake. Come on, somebody. And a little sour I don't know. I just, you know, I have a little liberty. Is that okay? Do you mind? Okay, great. She gave me permission. So I just picture her having nachos, and she's sitting there. And all of a sudden, she hears something over her voice. <clears throat> uh, Ma'am. And she turns around, and there's the angel staring at her. Just figure he's really tall, really tall and good looking. And, uh, and she's like, who are you? What do you want to do? What are you doing here? And he says, he says it's okay, it's okay. You found favor. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. I love it, the fact that the first response the angel gives her is rejoice. I think that there is a lost art of rejoicing. I believe that the, uh, America has cr- basically engulfed us and entrenched us to be cynical at everything. We, we've, be, we've grown cynical. We, we, everything is built on a timer. Now, I just have, can I have confession time? Do you mind? I need, I need confession, Mr. William. Can I confess a little bit of my, my faults here? I am the world's most impatient patron. Any, anybody like that out here? Listen, I, I regularly repent. My Crystal, my wife, hates to go to a restaurant with me because it's notorious. I always get that waiter or that waitress that really belongs in another line of work. You know what I'm talking about? I always, I, today I went to a restaurant, a great little restaurant, there, I mean, like the waiters that were walking by were super nice, but my waitress, she wasn't so nice. And my coffee was cold when it got there. It was everything. I was like, how can I get the worst waiter and waitress every single day of my life? And Crystal keeps telling me it's because I keep going around the same mountain and I need to be nicer to people and I would stop having this problem. But I don't know about that. I think she's wrong. But we have, we have bought into this where everything has got to be our way. We need it right here and right now. We need it to do the way we want it to be done. And if it's not done the right way, our way, then we become cynical. We become uh, negligent. We don't, we don't like it. We have lost the ability to rejoice in all things. We've literally lost the ability to stand firm. I love that scripture, that, that we can rejoice in all things because God is for us and not against us. We have lost the ability to rejoice in every moment. We, when our food doesn't come out fast enough, we get cynical. When, when our TV show is, is not on, and they, they eliminate a show like Friends or something, and, uh, or, or whatever it may be, and we become aggravated, we become frustrated. It's not fast enough, it's not strong enough, it's not good enough, and we've, we've lost the ability to rejoice. Everything is about what are you doing for me right now. Not what you did for me last week or last year, but what are you doing for me right here and right now. And I believe that God is calling us back to a place where we can just begin to rejoice. 
that we rejoice over, over the little things, that we can rejoice over the big things, that we can rejoice that our car cranked up and got us here. That we rejoice over the fact that we, we stand in good health. Maybe not the health we want, but we're better health than we could be. Come on, somebody. Maybe we can start rejoicing over the fact that we have been given such great provision for beautiful churches and, 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 and opportunities. We start rejoicing over the little things because once we start rejoicing, it opens up the windows of heaven for God to pour out something that goes beyond what we can see and what we know. Rejoicing. He says, rejoice, young woman. Because you have found favor. One of the most powerful attributes of God is that we walk in his favor. See, you, until, you've, until you've walked in favor, you don't understand favor. Until you've walked in favor, you don't understand favor. Favor is something that sounds really nice if you don't have it. But you don't really know that it's really nice because you don't have it. Therefore, it's like Apple TV. Any Apple TV people out there? Okay, the two people that know what I'm talking about, I got to come up with a better illustration real quick. <laughs> Anybody got a cell phone out there? You ever not had your cell phone? Have you ever lost it for a couple of days? I shattered my phone and it literally would not work. And I was without a cell phone for two days. I was, I was crawling on the floor begging for mercy from my wife because I didn't have a cell phone. I couldn't call nobody and I couldn't check Instagram. It was horrendous. But if you didn't ever have one, you don't notice it, right? That's what favor's like. Favor, you don't realize how wonderful it is until, you, until you've had it and then you don't see it. Uh, a few... Uh, few months ago, I'm the chaplain for the Southeastern Louisiana University football team. I get to go in and speak to them and share the gospel with them. I've led uh, 35 of them to Jesus over the past two years. It's been so much fun, and, and I've found great favor. In fact, every home game, they come up and they give me a sideline pass. I just walk down on the sidelines. I'm high-fiving the players down there. I'm walking through the tunnel with them. I'm like, blow that smoke for me when I come out. That'd be cool. They don't, but I still ask for it. And, uh, and I just go down there, and I hang out with the guys and during the game, and it's so much fun. Well, this past year, we made the playoffs, and, uh, and they said, look, Scott, we normally would give you a sideline passes, but because it's a playoff game, it's nationally televised, ESPN is here, and all this regulations, we can only have limited number of sideline passes, so if you don't mind, we're not going to be able to give you one this time. I said, that's no problem. He said, well, we'll give you some tickets. And they gave me some pretty good tickets down on one end of, uh, of the football field. And we were up there watching him. And I mean, it was cold that night. November weather. And I didn't even think Louisiana got cold. And it was cold and it was misty and rainy. And, and uh, I'd had all the cold I could have. We were playing bad. We were just not playing well. You know what I'm talking about? When you just like, we stink tonight. And I, I got to the point I thought this game is over. There's about two minutes left, two and a half minutes left. This game is over, and we're up here, and our car is way out there. And if we can beat the traffic just a little bit, it would be awesome. So I, I have three or four people with me. I said, hey, let's go ahead and go. Come on, we're going to slip on out and beat all the traffic. So we get out. We get out of the stadium. We begin to walk around the edge of the stadium, and we get to the other end, and we keep hearing this cheering going on. And, and, and we hear the announcer say, now there's a punt. Oh, we've got it on the five. And, and we've got, uh, you know, 69 seconds to go in the game. And next thing you know is first down, first down, first down. And they keep hearing cheering. And we get excited. We get down to the other end. And we're watching the big screen from outside of the stadium. And watching the big screen down at the end of the field. And we see they've gotten down to the 30-yard line. 
and, and have moved the ball for the first time in the entire game, and we're getting all excited and bummed out that we left. So we're sitting there watching the screen. We're just, our jaws are open. We're like, what the heck did we miss? And all of a sudden, I hear this, this guy screaming at me, and I look over in an open gate, and there's a police officer staring at me, pointing at me and yelling. And I'm like, did I break some kind of NCAA regulation? Is this illegal? Am I, are you going to arrest me? What have I done? I kind of freaked out for a moment. You know what I'm talking about? I was like, uh, I'm, uh, 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 I don't know. I don't know. And he goes, he goes, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. He says, get back in here. You're not going to bleed. Come on. And we're like, uh, yeah, okay. And we go from up in the stands on the opposite end of the football field. We come into the gate. We're literally on the five-yard line on the front row standing there watching as this football game unfolds. With seven seconds left, the starting quarterback throws a pass to my friend, Jeff Smiley, who turns the corner, dives into the end zone over the pylon, and they win the playoff game right in front of my face. Y'all must should have been there. It was awesome. I was so excited to go from up in the stands watching from a distance to being right there with the action. See, favor's not fair. Favor's not fair. But there's something about walking in the favor of God that changes things. You don't even understand it when it's in the midst of you, but there's something about the favor of God that changes your situations. It changes your circumstances. It'll change the way your boss talks to you. It'll change the way your teachers treat you. It'll change the way your, your car runs. It'll change the way your house uh, lives. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your children. It'll change your bosses. It'll change everything in your life because of the favor of God is something special. She said, she said, why? What, what, what? Me? Favor? Yes. You've been favored by God. I'm here to tell you tonight that you've been favored by God. The moment you turn to Jesus, and as Romans says, believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. All that old dead you died away, and you stepped into the favor of God. You stepped under the anointing and favor of God to say, you know what? Maybe things haven't gone well this week, but my hand is still on you. Maybe, maybe things aren't the way you feel like they should be, but my hand is still upon you. It's you can't explain it. You can't understand it. But my hand is still upon you. It's time to begin to walk in the favor of God. Begin to, begin to walk into your job under the assumption that you've got the favor of God. I, I walk in every day assuming that something great's going to happen to me. I, I just cannot help myself. I walk in to speaking engagements not because I think I'm special. I've heard myself preach it's not that good. I understand it. But I believe that the favor of God is upon my life, and I come in expecting God to do something special. When you walk in here, expect the favor of God. When you get up in the morning, expect the favor of God. When you, when you go to your job site, expect the favor of God. Verse 34. Verse 34, it says like this, Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? How can this be since I do not know a man? Verse 35 says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. One, you've got to start dreaming bigger dreams than you've ever dreamed in your life. You want to see God do great things? You've got to dream bigger than yourself. 
See, we don't mind dreaming for ourselves. Okay, God, I just need a little better job. I just need a little more provision. I just need a, uh, my marriage to get a little bit better. I just need my, my children to act a little better. I just need a little bit of this or a little bit of that. And the whole time God's saying, why don't you dream something bigger than that? Why don't you dream of, uh, of, uh, of growing and being and doing things that you've never thought you could do on your own? The truth is, I don't think God likes using people who are talented enough to do it on their own. God loves to use people who can't do it on their own because God has this thing He likes the glory. He likes the honor, and He likes the praise, which is great for me because I don't have enough talent to find my way out of a paper bag. I'm a prime candidate for God to do something great with. I believe that right here and right now, inside of this building, there are dreams bigger than you've ever imagined. There are businesses right here that are ready to be birthed on the inside of you. There's, there is sermons ready to be birthed. There are songs ready to be written right here on the inside of you. There is life that is ready to be given right here on the inside of you. There are some doctor reports that have been given that God says, I've got something better and something bigger for you. There is something that God wants to do, but you've got to start dreaming bigger dreams. See, you were created by God to look like God, and therefore you have to be creative like God. God walked up the first day and said, you know what? I like, I, li I, I don't like this. It's, it's discombobulated. It's crazy. It's out of order. So therefore, I want an earth over here, and I want on this earth, I want there to be land, and I want there to be sea, and on the land, I want this animal and that animal. And he began to create. He began to speak. He began to dream, and he began to say, and when he began to say, he began to see, because that's the way God works, and you're the same way. You're supposed to begin to dream, and then you begin to dream, and then you begin to say, and then you begin to see, because you are created in the image of God, but you've got to start talking like you are in the image of God. you got to start walking like you were created in the image of God. you got to start dreaming big dreams because that's the way you were created. If you're not dreaming, you're dying. The moment you stop dreaming is the moment you start dying. How can this be? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Tonight, this is my prayer that the Holy Spirit will begin to come upon you. The Holy Spirit will begin to touch you right where you're at. Because you see, the great thing about God is He does what nobody else can do. He intercedes where nobody else can intercede. And He reaches down and touches when nobody else can reach in and touch. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. I was at, a, at the, my church where I'm at, the mission church where I'm the college pastor. I was sitting there and, and uh, I had the opportunity one during one worship service, kind of like y'all's worship service, it was so fantastic and powerful. Y'all to give those guys a hand. That was really, really superb. I've been in some bad worship services, and that wasn't one of them. I love it. And, and I was in one of those worship services at our church, and all of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord said, you know what, I want to do something in some people's lives. And so we, we just opened it up at the altar, and, and my wife came down with me, Crystal, and we were standing on the right side, about basically right here in our church, standing there, and some people would come up for prayer, some people would come up and were talking to us, and, and got prayer, and they left, and you know that moment when it's basically over, you're just waiting, and just waiting for the you know, pastors, okay, it's time to move forward to the next thing, and, and all of a sudden, I looked, and a, and a man and woman sitting about three-quarters of the way back on the far right-hand side stepped out walked all the way down, and I could see in her face that it was something serious. And they walk up to me, and, 
Her name was Leanne, and her, his name is Aaron, and, and she's weeping, and tears are rolling down her face. And the only thing she can say to me is, I want a baby. Okay. All right. I, I can pray those kind of prayers. All right. All right. And I, I didn't even ask any more questions. I probably should have, you know, but that's, I just don't, I didn't do that. I just started praying. I said, well, let me tell you what happened to me and Crystal. See, when Crystal and I first got married, they told us that she would have difficulty having babies. They said, it's going to be hard, to, hard for you to do. But one day while we were sitting there, she told me this, and it, I became angry about it. I just got, I got frustrated. It's okay to get frustrated at the enemy. It's okay to get just downright angry at the enemy sometimes. And Gordon Lindsay says every Christian should pray at least one violent prayer a day, by the way. And, uh, and I just reached over and I said, in Jesus' name, you're healed, you're whole, and nothing less. All right, all right, you ready? You want to go get some ice cream now? And it was such a simple prayer, and, and four weeks later she was pregnant, and Asher was born. Oh, that's a good kid right there. That's a good kid. And then, uh, and then Asher comes, and then about four months later she gets pregnant a second time, and I'm like, whoa, girl. I said, be healed. I didn't say, whoa, now, hold on a second. And I tell this story to Leanne and Aaron, and, and uh and she begins to smile a little bit with tears to run down her face. I said, now let's pray. And I begin to pray. You see, there's, a, there's, there's my prayer, but then there's something that happens when God begins to do something. You see, man can pray all they want to pray, but there's something supernatural when God begins to come down and touch something. And I was just sitting there, all of a sudden, the, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, I said, you're going to have a daughter. You're not one. You're going to have more than one. Not two, you're going to have a quiver, but the first will be a girl, and she will sing, and she will sing of the glories of the Lord and tell this story that we're talking about. And they begin to weep and, and, and hugged our necks, and they left. And I thought, man, I did a good job today. What I didn't know was that Leanne had spent nine years trying to get pregnant. Not just a year. Not just two, not just a few weeks, a few months. She spent nine years trying to get pregnant. And if you've never desired something for nine long years, you don't know what it's like to be heartbroken. And every time she'd take a pregnancy test and it would come back negative, every time she'd, she went to the doctor, after three years she started going to the doctor, and every month, every month for six years she was going to the doctor getting more medications and more medications and more medications and spending more money and more money because she was desperate to have what she hasn't, hadn't had. And I didn't know this. And, but something happened the moment that Holy Spirit began to touch her right there in that spot. And they said they went home and they went to the medicine cabinet. They pulled out all the bottles of all the pills that they had been taking. And they walked over to the trash can and they dumped them out. Now listen. If the Lord speaks to you, you do what you feel like you need to do. I didn't tell her to do this. She did this because she felt like this was in her heart what it was supposed to do. She walked over and she pulled out off of the bookshelf that one book that every mother or wannabe mother has on their bookshelf. And that's the book of the almighty baby names. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I've got three of them and I only have two kids. I don't even understand it. And they begin to pick out names. They begin to flip through. They didn't even go to the boys' section because they felt like the word of God for them was a girl. So they went to the girls' section. They began to pick out names. And they picked out names. And they, when they talked, they talked about the little girl. 
And then they started planning her room, and they started picking out her, her border. They started picking out her, the colors that it would be. It would be purple, not pink, because they didn't like pink. They liked purple, but not dark purple, but light purple, because that's the way they wanted to be. And they just talked about her as if she was on the way. And on April 21st of 2014, she felt in her heart that it was time to take a pregnancy test. So she had to go buy one because she had gotten rid of all of her pregnancy tests because she was, had given up. She says in her, uh, her story that at many points she even got angry at God when other people that she thought was less deserving were getting pregnant and she couldn't. Real life. And uh, she went and bought a pregnancy test. She came home with her husband. She took that pregnancy test. She said she couldn't even tell her husband. All she could do was show him. For the first time in nine years, that pregnancy test came back positive. But then the doctors kicked in. And the doctors came to her and after about three weeks and said, Listen, uh, we have bad news. The sack, you have an empty sack. It, this pregnancy will not take. You can just forget about it. Listen, don't get your hopes up. Do not name this baby. Don't talk about this baby. This is not going to work. There's an empty sack. They said they went home, and for a moment they began to cry, but then they said, wait a minute, God said. And they said, Avi's going to get here. Avi's going to show up. And they kept standing on the Word of God. And on December 2nd of 2014, of this past year, we welcomed Jaslyn Avi Gale Faith Miller into this world. <laughs> Let's just say they couldn't decide on one name, so they took all of them. Jaslyn Avi Gale Faith Miller, and she is healthy, and she is beautiful, and three weeks ago on a Sunday morning, I had the opportunity and privilege to dedicate her to the Lord, and I believe that every word spoken of her will come true because a mama and a daddy, when they got touched by the Holy Spirit, said, you know what? I believe in miracles. There's something special when the Holy Spirit begins to touch a situation in the moment. And this story is, this is where the story caught me off guard. I don't usually get caught off guard by the Bible. I've read all kind of stuff in the Bible that is weird and obscure and crazy. Uh, but this verse right here threw me off, and I, I struggled with it for a long time. And this is where I want to close out. If my piano fellow would just come for a few minutes. I found that if I preach short, I'm asked back. If I preach long, I'm not, so we're going to keep it short tonight. Is that okay? Verse 36, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. Okay, help me understand this. Here is one of the most beautiful, prophetic, divine encounters of the entire Bible. Listen, the story of Peter walking on water is pretty cool. The story of, uh, of the blind man in John chapter 9 and Jesus knelt down and made a little mud with some spit and put it on his eyes and sent him out to the, to the pool of Siloam. And he came back seeing that's an awesome story, but this is the encounter 
where the mother of Jesus found out that she would supernaturally uh, be acclimated by the Spirit of God and give birth to a son that would change humanity forever. And here is the moment when the angel's telling her, you're going to give birth to Jesus. And then at the end of it, he takes a moment and he throws in this scripture, indeed, your, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived. Indeed, your relative Elizabeth has also conceived conceived. And I, I read this over and over again, and I'm thinking of all the things to throw in there. A, a, a side note, a text message from a friend is not necessarily what I would consider important at this moment. I, I, hey, listen, Jesus is going to revolutionize humanity. Uh, uh, he's going he's to go to the cross, or, or he's going to have 12 disciples, and those 12 disciples are going to see things that you couldn't imagine. These are all things I could imagine the angel telling her, but he says, oh, by the way, your relative, your cousin Elizabeth, she's gonna have a she's gonna have a baby too. And somebody told me, well, that's because it was such a miracle because she was in her old age. Sarah had a baby at 90. It's not that big of a miracle. This is for the Jewish culture. This no matter if she was 50 or 60, she's still not as old as Sarah. Come on, Jesus. It's okay. And then it hit me. And it hit me. See, I realized at that moment, the prophecy that was coming about, Elizabeth would give birth to a little boy who would eventually become John the Baptist. And he would go out into the desert and he would begin to preach a message like nobody had preached before. Not a message like Elijah or Elisha. Not a message like... Uh, like uh, David or Solomon, not a message like Saul or Samson or Deborah, but a different kind of message. See, up to that point, it was a message of uh, follow the rules, follow the rules, follow the rules. But then here comes John the Baptist. It began to prepare the way for Jesus. You see, every great thing in your life, there has to be a season of preparation or you'll miss out on what's before you. Even Jesus needed somebody to prepare the way before he showed up. He needed somebody to prepare the way to say, you know what, there's something that's coming. You don't want to miss out on this. There's something that's about to happen that's going to transform your life. There's something amazing about to take place. There's something about to come on the horizon. Don't miss what you're about to see. Every moment of your life, there's a season of preparation that changes you for the season of activation. See, God wants to do something special tonight. There's going to be a season of preparation. Don't despise the season of preparation because it's only preparing you for what's on the horizon. I believe the Spirit of God wants to do something special tonight, but I I'm here tonight to tell you this. Don't despise the season of preparation. 
Don't despise the season of preparation. We often want to say, what's next? I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to go to the next thing. I'm ready to be there. I'm ready to see it. I'm ready to have it. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. But when we miss out on the season of preparation, then we lose access during the season of activation. My son is 10 years old. And this year we started to teach him how to drive. So this summer I was actually on my way to preach the gospel in Haiti and we decided to take him over to my my mother and father's house for a few days and and they were going to stay there while we were in Haiti preaching the gospel and and uh I'd taken him out on this gator this four-wheel drive golf cart of magnitude and massiveness and I began to teach him on the in the fields out in South Georgia And I said, now listen, you put your, the gas is on the right side, your brake is on the left, you, you steer it this way and you steer it that way. And we begin to take this moment and we begin to show, I begin to show him. Well, the next two days later, I fly out to Haiti and Crystal stays behind. And, and uh, after a day or two, he says, Mom, I, I want to go drive again. I got this. I got it. I'm, I'm Good. No, I don't think it's a good idea. Your dad, mom, I've got it. Dad showed me it all. I've got it all figured out. Anytime a man tells you he's got it all figured out, that's the first sign of trouble right there. All the women should have said amen. So him and his mama go out there and get on it, and they sit down, and, and he begins to drive, and he's He's driving along the pastures and driving along the road, the byways and, and going along and everything's going well. And all of a sudden, Crystal's kind of just lost in the, in the, the, the ambiance and the scenery. And she's just looking here and there. And she notices it's getting a little faster. It's getting a little faster. And, and she looks up and they're going really fast at this point. And, and she looks up and... And they're headed directly for a pine tree. They're headed directly for this pine tree. And she, she turns to tell Asher, time to slow down, son. And she looks, and he's not there. And in a desperation moment, she, she slides over as quickly as she can she slams on the brakes comes sliding right up into the edge of the of the pine tree right before she slams into it she looks over her shoulder and asher is laid out in the cotton field she gets off that this this thing and she walks back to there, there to him and she says what happened what happened to you he said mom i got scared I realized I was going fast and I didn't know what to do. She says, but so why did you jump off? He said, I didn't want to die. I'm too young to die. Besides that, Mom, I haven't kissed a girl yet. I still got some things to do. See, so many times we try to rush those moments of preparation, thinking it's okay. We've got it figured out. We've got it all worked out. Man, we just want to be through the moments of preparation. But there's something special when you walk it out because what you do is you find yourself prepared for what happens when you go to the next level. 
You see, we always want to get to the next level until we find out there's bigger uh, devils on the next level. We want to get there until we realize there's a greater responsibility on the next level. We want to get there until we realize that God has, it puts, puts a greater realm of influence on our life on the next level. Don't despise where you're at. Just don't stop where you're at. Keep growing and keep looking and keep loving. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. I have one question to ask on this night. What is it in your life that makes you feel like I can't break through to go to the next level at? You feel stuck. You feel like you're overwhelmed. You feel like it's, it's hopeless. I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm never going to see this healing in my body that I've been believing for. My, my child that has been away from God all that I, the years, I'm never going to see him come back to God. What is it that in your life you feel like that you're just stuck and you wish you could say to God, what's next? If that's you here tonight, you would say, Pastor Scott, I feel stuck. And I'm ready for the touch of the Holy Spirit right here and right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm just going to believe that God's going to begin to touch you right where you're at. If that's you and you would say, Pastor Scott, right here and right now, I feel stuck. And I'm ready to see a touch of Almighty God. I'm ready to walk in His favor. I'm ready to feel the Holy Spirit move on my behalf. Right here and right now, on the count of three, put up your hand. One, two, three. Right here, put up your hand. Thank you. God bless you. Hands literally up all over the room. Hands up all over the room. He's going to keep playing for just a moment. We just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. If you lifted your hand right here and right now, with your heart open, Just begin to prepare for a touch of Almighty God right here and right now. And I'm going to pray. And I'm not believing for a fall down on the ground type moment. I'm believing more for a, a, a warmth of hope that will last all night long. I am believing for you that you've struggled sleeping at night because of the, the stress of your situation that tonight you'll have a the kind of sleep you haven't even remembered because it's been so long ago. I am praying that by the Spirit of God that when you wake up tomorrow morning, every morning you wake up thinking about that, but in the morning you'll you won't even realize it. You, you'll be eating your ranchero eggs with extra hot sauce and jalapenos. On the side, of course, before you even realize. Because there's such peace upon your life. Because you have found favor. And the Holy Spirit is here to touch you right here. So prepare your hearts. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. Holy Spirit, by your grace, the same Spirit that touched Leanne and Aaron... Just begin to infiltrate to the depths of those who lifted their hand, God. 
Holy Spirit, have your way with us tonight. Holy Spirit, we say break every chain that has been hindering us, that is holding us back from the best of God. Break forth out of this this desperation that we have found ourselves in so that we are enamored with you. We become so overwhelmed with your goodness and your grace that we can't help but rejoice in this very moment. My God, begin to touch them right here and right now. My God, begin to touch them. In Jesus' name, let your spirit begin to fall, begin to just infiltrate, begin to lift them up out of the miry clay and set their feet on solid ground. Lord God, touch them like you've never touched them before. Holy Spirit, have your way tonight. Lord Jesus. There's somebody here tonight, you have a financial situation that's just recently popped up. This is not where you've you don't know how to use your credit card and you've spent yourself into debt. No, literally something has happened recently that has caused a financial situation in your family. God says that I've seen your plight and I've heard your cries and I'm already working on your behalf. Don't give up yet. There's a young woman in here tonight that you feel so insecure about yourself. You literally can't imagine how anybody would even like you, much less love you. You feel so insecure about your body, about your personality, about your life, and God says, I am enamored with you. I love you more than you could ever, ever know. Just let me in. Oh, Jesus. Holy Spirit, just wash over them, Lord. Nothing weird. Just the sweetness of God. Right here. Right now. Somebody in here, you've had a dream that has died many years ago. Even as I'm talking, it is coming to your memory right here and right now. You have a dream of uh, that God planted inside of you so many years ago, but it seemed like life stole every bit of hope out of your life. God is going to begin to revive that dream because He's not finished with it. Just because you gave up on it doesn't mean God did. Holy God. Now, Lord, I'm asking right now that you begin to touch and seal into their hearts the hope of all humanity in Jesus. I pray that you begin to just revive the exhausted and the tired. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They shall soar on wings as eagles. Holy Spirit, just give them hope like they've never known before and seal it in their hearts in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.